his presence tonight. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Cameron to come. He's going to share with us what the Lord has laid on his heart. I'm going to preach to you as well. Um, but children's, children's Church is dismissed. I think they've already grabbed them. But um, it's just so good to see so many visitors in the house tonight. And we want to say thank you for being here. And we're honored to have you in the house. But if you would, as our custom, if you just stretch your hands this way as Brother Cameron comes, we're going to pray for him as he delivers the word tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for what you're doing in this young man's life and him and his family. And God, we ask that you just speak to and through him, anoint him in a powerful way this evening. And Lord, we thank you in advance for what is going to happen as the word is delivered tonight. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Give Brother Cameron a hand tonight. All right. Am I on? Hold on, I got to get my whole mission here. Try to get this whole thing set up. Oh boy, here we go. I decided to bring two Bibles because you know two is better than one. I'm not a math teacher, but I am a history teacher. But I think two is better than one. So, <laughs> all right. So, I know Jade asked me to come speak um, about two weeks ago now, um, and I've been uh, feeling in my spirit. Um, a few different things, because I know, um, I knew, I just had a feeling Jade was going to call on me sometime soon. Um, so I had a few in my back pocket, per se. Um, of course, uh, those are not what I'm preaching tonight. So that was, you know, I still have a few in my back pocket. But, um, of course, uh, the Lord has just been in my spirit. Um, and I think the worship service that we just had is kind of lining up perfectly with what um, I feel in my spirit tonight. Um, but tonight we are going to, uh, or I am going to try to uh, speak on uh, renewing, releasing, and remembering. Renewing, releasing, and remembering. Um, we are going to uh, speak in Ephesians uh, 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. Um, so if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Of course, um, at least that's just the customs of this house, so if you could please stand uh, for the reading of God's word. Of course, though, I really like to um, look at uh, the background of things. That's just kind of my specialty is looking at the background of things. Um, so I wanted to know what was going on in this portion of Scripture, um, which it's pretty well known um, that in this Scripture, Paul is actually writing to the church of Ephesus. Um, and he's writing this, and he's writing a letter here. And in this letter um, to the church of Ephesus, Paul's actually writing this from prison. So Paul is actually writing this from in bonds, from in chains. He is in prison. He's wrongfully in prison, but he is there in prison. And he's writing this letter and just telling this church of Ephesus um, what his vision for the church is and what the church needs to be in the time that they are in. He starts the letter off, though, which is where we're going to be reading tonight. And I think what he starts with is very powerful if you really break it down and look at it, which is what we're going to try to do tonight. But he starts it by telling the people who they were and now who they are with God. So Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10 reads, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now look at verse 4 here. It says, but God. Turn to your neighbor and say, but God. But God. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Lord, we just come before you tonight, and we just thank you for your word. And we just thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit, and we thank you for what you're going to be doing in this house tonight. And Lord, just help me as I bring forth your word. And Lord, just help me relay it the way that you relayed it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. Man, isn't that a powerful verse there in verse 4? Reading verses 1 through 3 talks about everything that these people were. Everything that we were. It says that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sin. We walked according to this world. We walked with the prince of the power of the air. And we had the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience within us. We were having conversations with the lust of our flesh. We were in our mind. We were fulfilling the desires of that and the desires of our flesh. We were by nature the children of wrath. But God. But God. Church, we were nothing until God stepped into our lives, came down, and moved in our where we were at. But God. Church, we were nothing without him, and we are nothing without him. I would not be here tonight, but God. I was dead in sin, but God. I was lost in this world, but God. But God. But God. And if you keep reading, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just say that he stepped in and pulled us out of the pit that we were in. It says much more. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Together. Church, Jesus is alive. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but Jesus is alive. And we felt it here in this worship. He is alive and he is within us. We were raised together with Jesus. We are not dead. We are alive very much like Jesus. Church, we are not a dead church. We are not a dead generation. We are alive. We are not destroyed. We are not condemned. We are alive. Church, we are alive with Jesus and we are made to sit together with him. Together. Church, 
And being together with Jesus is such a powerful place to be. Being together with God, being one with who created you. I know, church, we were raised with Christ Jesus, meaning we're not only just here to live, we have power and authority. We have been given power and authority through Jesus Christ. Power and authority. And church, first thing that I wanted to talk about tonight was renewing your focus. Renewing your focus. Church, if we were raised with Christ Jesus, guess what? We are not dead. Just like he is not dead. We are not dead. We are a powerful people. We are not a dead generation. We are very much alive. Because through Jesus, there is power in his name. And there is power in the blood of Jesus, the lamb that came and died for our sins. There is power in the name of Jesus. And that power lives inside of us. Because Jesus is in our hearts and he lives inside of us. Church, we must understand that we are not powerless. What the enemy is doing right now is wicked. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. It's getting darker and darker and darker. Church, we are not powerless, however. We are not powerless. This world is getting darker by the days, and I can see it walking through the halls at school. It's getting darker and darker, and it's weighing on these kids. It's weighing on this generation. But church, we have power. We have the power to push back the enemy. We have the power to tread on serpents. We have the power to tread on scorpions. We have the power over all power of the enemy. The enemy has nothing on us. The enemy has nothing on us because Jesus is within us and we are raised together with Jesus Christ. So church, we need to renew our focus. We need to renew our focus. I know my Bible reads in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not of things of this earth. Church, we need to renew our focus on what God has planned for our lives. Because church, we're not made to just sit in these chairs. We're not made to sit in these pews. Church, we are made for much more. And God has a plan for each and, one, each and every one of us. And if we just renew our focus and focus on Him, we will be on the right track. And we can change this entire world. This world is very dark right now. And church, there is going to be a last day pouring out of our spirit. I think we're seeing it right now. So church, we need to renew our focus and focus on Him. It's going to take some sacrifice. And that's where we get to my second point tonight, where we need to release our past. Church, we are free from sin. We are free from sin. We are free. Church, we are a free people. We are not in chains and bonds, which, going back to the background of why Paul even wrote this, Paul was in prison. He was wrongfully put in prison. He was beaten. He was put in chains. But he still had the power to write this verse. And he still had a power to write this story and say, I was in sin. I was in the world. I had all of these things. I had the lust of my flesh. I had the lust of my mind. But God, but God stepped into my life. He pulled me out of my pit. He came and he saved me and he set me. Ooh. He came and he saved me and he set me with Jesus. He raised me with Jesus. What a powerful place to be. 
Church, we need to let go of some things. We need to release our past. We are a free people. We don't have to sit there in chains and in bonds. If you continue to read in Ephesians, you'll end up seeing Paul eventually. He gets out of prison. A miraculous miracle happens and he gets out of prison. Church, we are free, just like Paul gets set free. We are a free people. There is no reason we should be sitting and holding the weight of everything of this world. We are a free people. Church, through God, all things are possible. We must let a lot of these things go. On top of that, church, we need to let go of the scars of the past. It's in the past for a reason. I know I sit there and I tell some of my kids um, in class, they'll come to me about things, and I'm like, well, it's in the past, it happened, okay, oh well, move on. And I know I'm just kind of being, you know, a guy about things. I know, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm strong, it's all right, we'll deal with it later. Um, Deal with it down the road. But church, we don't have to deal with it at all. We need to come, lay our weights, lay our sins at the feet of Jesus, at the name above all names, He has never lost a battle. Why are we sitting here fighting battles that we don't even have to fight? Battles that we don't even have to to deal with. Now, I don't think you want six foot two skinny scrawny Cameron sitting here fighting your battles. How about the name above all names? How about Emmanuel? How about the God who came through, came down, pulled me out of my rut and saved me? How about you let him fight, his, fight your battles for you? Because guess what? He's never lost. He has never lost. He's never lost a battle. And guess what? He never will. He never will. So Paul being in prison during this whole thing makes it even greater for me and stood out and jumped off the page to me because, church, we are not in bonds. We are not in prison. We are a free people. We need to start acting like it. I know I teach history, so I look at the, the, the freedoms of, of America. And America is one of the most free places ever. I'm thankful to be able to live in America. But of course, that's due to the foundations. If you look back there, that first flag there, that is one of America's first flags, an appeal to heaven. Church, we were built on the foundation. This nation was built on the foundation of Christ. And church, we are a free people. We are even freer than Americans. That's hard to be, but we're freer than Americans. As Christians, we are free. Church, we also need to release tradition. We need to get rid of some of the things that we have been doing over and over and over and over and over again. Church, if we want God to move in these last days, if we want Him to pour out His Spirit, church, we need to release our traditions. We are getting comfortable coming in every single day, sitting there, hearing a word, going home, and not applying it to our lives and just coming back and doing it again and doing it again. And it's exactly what Sarah just said in worship. Church, Church, it is time. It is time. It is time to come in and worship the Lord like we need to. To come in And praise the name above every name. Church, we are made for so much more than to sit in the church pew. We are made for so much more. We need to let it go. Let go of our tradition. Let go of our timetable. Oh, I need to be out of here by 8 o'clock so I can get in there and 
um, you know, go get dinner because it's usually, you know, about the closing time. I don't want to in- inconvenience them. Oh, I just, I, I need to get out of church at, at, by noon because, you know, my favorite lunch place gets packed. Church, we need to let go of all that. We need to let go of our timetable and let God. We need to let go and let God. Church number three, we have to remember our purpose. We have to remember why we are here. Church, we are made for so much more than to sit in a church pew. We are made to go reach the lost and reach a harvest. But also, remember who you are and remember who you belong to. Church, you don't just belong to your parents. You do, but you don't just belong to your parents. You belong to an almighty Father. Church, we are sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters. We are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted into the family of God. We are joint, joint heirs of the throne. Church, we are more than we think we are. And we have the power, we have the authority that God has instilled in our lives. So church, we must remember who we are, who we belong to, and remember our purpose. Church, we must renew our hearts, and we must renew our minds, and set our focus on what God wants us to do. It will take some sacrifice. It will take some sacrifice. You can ask Chris and Terry, I'm on my phone way too much. (laughs) But it will take some sacrifice. If we want God to move in these last days, and if we want God to come and move and pour out His Spirit like He said He would in these last days, we are going to have to give some things up. We're going to have to release them. We're going to have to. And church... We need to let go and let God. Sorry, I've said that a lot, but I I like it. We need to let go and let God. Most importantly, remember, church, we are sons and daughters. We are not servants. We are sons and daughters. I know the prodigal son, he left, spent all all of his inheritance, spent everything, and was eating the slop of the pigs. And he looked at it and he said, you know what? Servants at least get bread. I'm gonna go home. I'm going to go home to my father. I'm going to go home to my father. And I can at least get a slice of bread. But church, we can have so much more than just a slice of bread. Church, we are made for so much more. We have a set table. We can put the ring on. We can put the cloak on. Church, we will be clothed. We'll be clothed in his righteousness. And church, we will have the fatted calf. We will have everything that the Lord wants us to have because we are sons and daughters. We are not servants. We are joint heirs to the throne. In history, we talk about knights and kings and queens and all of this. We get the inheritance of God. We get it. We are joint heirs of the throne. Church, in these last days, in the last days of pouring out, they are upon us. It is happening right now. We must act now, and we must draw closer to God, and we must draw closer to the one in control. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Aren't you proud of Brother Cameron tonight? Awesome. Awesome word. Awesome word. Thank God. He said something about the prodigal son. Understand this. The thought that brought the prodigal son home 
The thing that brought him home was his hunger. He said, they eat better at my father's house. What are we hungry for? What do we desire? We should desire godly things. Amen. Can you give me five minutes? Raise your hand if you can give me five minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. I, 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 can you give me 15 minutes? I'll go fast. I'll go fast. Genesis 32. Genesis 32. There's been a lot of a talk on, on uh, a subject, a theme here that I've been noticing. Genesis chapter 32. Taught some of this in Sunday school, but I did not think I was going to preach on it, but the Lord just wouldn't let it leave me. Um, wasn't the way I taught it in Sunday school, so young people, don't worry. You're not going to hear the same thing exactly, but it begins in verse 24. It's the story of Jacob about to meet his brother Esau. And uh, just to bring you up to speed real quick, Jacob stole something that belonged to Esau. They were brothers. Jacob went to a foreign land. He built his wealth. He built his family. And now the Lord is telling him to return home, and he's about to face his brother Esau. And his brother Esau comes out to meet him, but he's got 400 men with him. So Jacob thinks it's over. I'm, I'm toast. Um, so uh, this is where we pick up in the story. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. He sent his cattle. He sent his herdsmen. He sent his wife and his children on over the brook. It says that he, Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him, and he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. That's Jacob speaking there. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed, and hast prevailed. Understand this tonight. We're, we're, we're going to stop there. But Jacob is in a situation in his mind and in the reality of the situation. It's life or death. He is a man that is in deep sorrow because he thinks not only am I going to be killed, but they're going to kill my wives. They're going to kill my children. He had 11 sons at this time. He, he had uh, riches and livestock and cattle. He had servants. He, everything was going well. But God told him to go back to this place. And he finds out that Esau's coming to meet him. And it, it, everything's not, not seeming too good. It's not a good situation to be in. Everybody been in a situation where you just don't see a way out. That's where Jacob's at. Jacob says, you know what? I, I just got to get alone. I, 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 can't, I, I can't take it all at once. And we all know that we wrestle with many things, right? This world throws many different things at us in life. 
And, and there's a lot of things that try to grab a hold of us and take our attention. But, but Jacob gets to a place where he says, I, I, I just have to know what to do. I just have to be alone. I, I, I just got to get by myself. And, and we know that in our lives that there's this, this struggle, this, this struggle that, that, that happens in our hearts and in our minds where we feel that, that we need to be here or we need to be there. We're, we're, we're taken to this place or that place. We've got so many things going on. And I tell you, when I was young, life didn't seem as busy as it seems now. I'll tell you, it seems like there's always something going on. There's always something to do. There's so many distractions. But but what happens is Jacob begins to push all that to, to the side and says, I just need to be alone. And we read here that a man comes down, we know this, to be an angel of the Lord, comes down and begins to wrestle with him. You say, this, this is weird. If you, what would you think if God sent someone to wrestle with you? Anybody else think that's weird? Okay, I guess I'm by myself. That is weird. That sounds, uh, sounds uncommon. But, but if you find in this story, if you read this whole chapter, you'll find that Jacob begins to say to God, uh, when he finds out that Esau's coming with 400 men, he begins to remind God of the promises that God has given him. And, and understand, I'm about to tie it in really well to what Brother Cameron was speaking on. It's just amazing how the Lord does that. But, but what happens is, is he begins to tell God, I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. He begins to say, did you not tell me that you were going to make a nation out of me? Did you not promise me that you were going to use my family, that you were going to use my sons, that, that we were going to be the chosen people of God? We were going to be a holy people. We were going to be a, a, a right people, a righteous people. Uh, We weren't going to be like the pagans. We weren't going to be like everyone else. Uh, God, uh, did you not promise me? But here God is telling him uh, to to go back into what seems to be the fray, to be the the fire, to be the struggle. Uh, And he doesn't see a way out, but the Lord comes down and begins to wrestle with him. And I just begin to think on this and I begin to meditate on this. And and, and why why is it so important? Uh, Why why did God feel the need to come down uh, and wrestle with him. Can I, can I come down here for a second and wrestle with y'all's hearts and minds for a moment? Uh, because what happens is the Lord began to just deal with me uh, and he said, there are times in your life uh, when you feel uh, like there's no way through, there's no way out. Uh, he said, but there are, there are situations, uh, there are instances, there are moments that God brings in the middle of that uh, to see how bad you want it. You know, we all talk that we want revival, but how bad do you want it? You, you, we, it's easy to talk about we want to see our, our children saved, but how, how bad do you want it? Uh, because at the beginning portion of this chapter, uh, just, just the day before uh, th- this moment that we're reading about in, 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 in Genesis 32 and 24, uh, J- Jacob's sitting there saying, God, you promised me. God, you promised me. God, you promised me. Uh, now God has come down and he begins to wrestle with them. Uh, and he said, I want to see what you got. Do you want it? 
Anybody ever play sports? Anybody ever hear a coach say that? Our coaches used to say that all the time. We, we, I remember my senior year, we, we, our, uh, my junior year, we, we beat a team 37 to 7. Uh, that's a good win. We got back. Uh, we got back to the football stadium. Uh, it was an away game. We got back. Coach turned on the lights, said, boys, uh, we're running. 37 to 7 ain't good enough. Uh, he said, you ain't never scored anything less than 42 points on this team uh, in a decade. Uh, that's not enough. How bad do you want it? Uh, you say you want a state championship. How bad do you want it? They did those things. But that, that's football and it don't matter. So let me ask you, the promises that God has given you and it doesn't seem like anything's happening, how bad do you want it? Understand when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, the Bible says afterward he hungered. Sometimes we wonder why there's wildernesses in our life. It's because God wants to see if it'll make you hungry for more of him. How, how bad do you want it? So what happened, Garrett? Stand up, we're going to wrestle what happened is God came down, uh, grabbed hold of Jacob uh, and said, do you want to be a nation? Uh, do you want to be a man of promise? Uh, do you want to be a man of purpose? Uh, do you want me to save your family? Uh, do you want me to use you? Uh, do you want to be a royal priesthood? Uh, do you want to be a chosen generation? Uh, do you want to fight? Uh, are you willing to fight uh, until your sons are saved? Uh, are you willing to fight uh, till your nieces and nephews are saved? Uh, are you willing to fight? Uh, how bad do you want it? Uh, he grabbed hold of him. He started to throw him around. Uh, and he realized, uh, oh, this man wants it pretty bad. Uh, there was something down in Jacob. You can sit down. Uh, that said, you know what? Uh, I feel hopeless. Uh, I feel like there's no way out. Uh, but something rose up in him uh, and said, I'm going to fight. Uh, there is still hope. Uh, there is still peace. There is still something that God wants to do in me. Uh, I'm not going down without a fight. Uh, and as the Lord grabbed hold of him, uh, catch this. Uh, he grabbed hold of the Lord. Uh, and he said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. The, the Lord began to speak to him. said, now, get off me. Come on. I got to get out of here. I got to go back to heaven. The day's breaking. But he said, I won't let you go until you change me. Until you bless me. Until you turn this around. I'm not going to let go until you tell me the promise is on its way. And here's what the Bible said. It said that Jacob, in certain translations, it reads like this. Jacob prevailed with God and with man. You know what we need in the church is we need a little bit of prevail. We need a little bit of prevail. Understand this. We, we, we've got a lot of people with a lot of messed up situations in the church, but we're in a great time. We're in a great opportunity. Yes, it's dark, but you never know how bright your light is until the lights go out. Church, the most powerful thing on this world, the most powerful thing, the most powerful weapon in this universe is not a nuclear bomb. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's not any Iranian official. It is the church of Jesus Christ. So church, how bad do you want it? Will you prevail? Will you fight? God said, you know what? You prevailed with me. You prevailed with man. I'm gonna change your situation. I'm gonna move on your behalf because this is someone I can trust. Your fight is showing God your faith. And when you show God your faith, God begins to move because faith pleases God. I'm almost done. Then come to music. He prevailed. He 
prevailed. Prevailed. Here's what Jesus said about his church. He said this. He said, Peter, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter. And the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail. So if the gates of hell don't prevail, the church is supposed to prevail. You can't prevail in yourself. You can't prevail in your own power. But it's not by my spirit. Or it's not by my strength, not by my might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. He prevailed. You want to know why he prevailed? It's because he had a little travail. God, you promised me, you promised me, you promised me, you promised me. God says, show me what you got. Show me what you got. He said, I'm not letting go. Not letting go. Listen, don't let go on your children. Don't let go. God can turn it around. Don't let go on your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, whoever's lost. Prevail. Prevail. Prevail in prayer. You know what? We's having piano issues. I saw the church that said, you know what? We're going to worship. I don't need a piano. I don't need the drums. I don't need the song. We'll just worship. You know what that is? That's prevail. That's prevail. That's prevail. When we see God begin to move and healings begin to take place, that's prevail. That's prevail. When we see these sinners come in and get saved, that's prevail. That's that's prevail. Understand, the believer's life is not a life of trial. Yes, you will have difficulties, but a believer's life is in spite of the trials. You have triumph. Stop living defeated. Prevail. So why is he yelling? Because I want you to understand. You don't have to live with depression. You don't have to live with anxiety. What Brother Cameron read to us there in Ephesians 2 and verse 6. He says, you're seated with me in heavenly places. You're joint heir with Jesus Christ. And and, and in Romans 8 where it says you're joint heir with Jesus Christ, it says the same power that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of you. So prevail. But you don't know what's coming at me. Prevail. My kids strung out on drugs. Prevail. But I don't feel like worshiping. Prevail. Get over yourself. But, but I don't know where the money's going to come from. Prevail. Have faith. Fight for that thing. Fight for that child. Fight for that marriage. Fight. Prevail. Stand with me. Prevail. 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 In the midst of hell, prevail. touched on it. He didn't save you to sit in a pew. He saved you to prevail. The Spirit of God in you. It's what Colossians says. The Spirit of God in you is the hope of glory. What's glory? It's the manifestation of God's presence. What's in you is the weapon that God wants to use in this, in this climate, in this world, to prevail. Listen, your family may be messed up. Prevail. 
Jacob thought, I'm going to lose everything. But when God came down, he said, I still got some fight left in me. I still got some fight left in me. God, I won't let you go. God, I won't let you go. Church, we're in an amazing time. Look, look across this room. It's a Wednesday night. There's probably 80, 90 people here. There's a lot of churches can't say that. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is there's people in here that will travail and prevail. Listen, you want prevail, travail in prayer? Prevail, prevail. Isaiah said this way. Isaiah 62, I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, for Zion's sake, I won't be quiet. For Jerusalem's sake, I won't keep my peace until righteousness is restored. What he's saying is, I will not stop until there is victory. I will not stop until there is victory. Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me, until you tell me it's going to be okay. But understand this, where God was sending him was a new level. That's why he had to change him. So you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. Because understand, if you if we're by, listen, I believe we, we have we have been on, on the, the, the fringe of revival in this house for months. And I believe what's happening, why is there such an atmosphere is because people are beginning to wade further in to the river of the Holy Spirit. Saying, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. understand as brother Cameron was saying it costs it costs you something for Jacob to receive the blessing of God God had to say I'm gonna change who you was I'm gonna make you into something greater you want to be a nation I'm gonna give you the name of a nation I've heard this preached so many different ways and it's powerful I, it's nothing fancy I preached you tonight Bible says that God touched his hip, right? Dislocated it. The Bible goes on to say that he walks with a limp. We've all heard that talked about if you've been in the church. Jacob walked with a lip, uh, a lip. He had lips, but a limp the rest of his life. Walked with it. And I've heard people say, oh, that was a reminder of the encounter that he had with God. I believe that's true. The Lord began to tell me something. And I may, it may have just been for me, because I ain't that smart, and it, did, it just hit me. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3 that God spoke to Joshua, and he said, wherever the sole of your feet trods, it'll be yours. I believe God left him with that limp. So with every step, he knew, I'm taking a step in victory. I, said, I won that. I prevailed with God. I prevailed with man. Every step he took, he limped. And people thought, oh, that's awful. Not, it wasn't to Jacob. That means I prevailed. Every step I took, I'm getting more victory. Every step I take, 
my family's doing better. Uh, every step I take uh, means that there's victory coming to my marriage. Uh, every step that I take uh, means God's moving on my children. Uh, God's moving on my, my mother and my father. God's moving on my body. I, I believe in healing. Uh, but Jacob said, I'm going to walk every day uh, and know uh, that I prevailed. Uh, that I prevailed. Uh, that I prevailed. Uh, turn it around. Uh, 4,000 years later, here we are. Uh, and we can prevail uh, because of what happened 2,000 years ago. On a cross where Jesus said, You want victory? I'll give you victory. You want to prevail? I'll give you the prevail. I'll give you power. I'll give you anointing. Church, let's prevail. Every step limped, but it was victory. It was victory. Hear me. You may have scars, but you ain't dead. What are, you, what are you talking about, preacher? Got a, got, Brother Luke back there has got a scar from Sunday school. Only person I ever knew in my life have a scar from Sunday school. He got cut by plastic on a broom. Shattered. We was playing a game. I shouldn't have played it. Should have had parents sign waivers. Should be my first question from now on. Has your mom signed a waiver? I should have done. We all got scars. But you ain't dead. A lot of us look at our scars and we think that was from a terrible time in my life. No, that's from a time you prevailed. You should have been dead. Justin, you should have been dead. You got some scars. Not just on your body, but in your heart and in your mind. But you prevailed. Because of Christ in you, you prevailed. Listen, I, I could go all day and tell you testimony after testimony. Brother Jason has scars, but he prevailed. But he prevailed. He's here today. He's here today. Yeah, I got scars, but I prevailed. Not in myself, but I can do all things through Christ. Oh, Garrett, you got some scars, but you prevailed. You grabbed hold of it. Say, God, I can't see a way out of this, but we're going straight on. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm holding on to you, and we're going to get through this. So if you're here tonight, well, Brother Cameron talked about know who you are. That, that has been a theme for weeks. Know who you are, because church... We have a whole entire world that needs to figure out who they are. The church ain't got time to figure out who we are because we know who we are. We're supposed to know who they are. We can't, we can't treat the world's identity crisis if we've got one going on in here. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. Say, so you know what, God? I'm going to take this thing head on and I don't see a way out of this. I don't. This is really bad. walking that limp. I prevailed. I prevailed. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. So if you're here tonight and you say, I just need some prevail in my life, come. Come. These altars are open. I ain't going to beg you. That's it. I'm done. I'm going up to the podium. I'm going to shut my Bible. But come. If you need special prayer tonight, we'll pray with you. But I'll tell you, if you don't know the Lord, you, you say, what is he talking about victory? And we're talking about peace and talking about joy and talking about all these things. You can experience this. 
Is it an easy road? No, but it is a road to, that, that is easy in the fact that you have peace when nobody else has it. You have joy when nobody else has it because you have Jesus. And if you want to know Jesus, we can pray with you. But I feel like there's some people that are just heavy. Shake it off. Fight. Fight. I needed to hear this this week when the Lord began to download it to me. I said, son, get up. Fight. Fight. Well, I feel so lukewarm. I feel so disconnected. Fight. Fight. Prevail. Prevail. Come to these altars. Hey, everybody. It's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we love you, and so does God. Have a good day.